Hey, welcome back to the Fuse Show, everybody. My name is Bud. I am Chief of Staff at Xfusion.io and co-host of the Fuse Show. I'm excited to be joined today by my guest, Somia Botnagar. Somia is CPO and co-founder of Involve.ai, an AI-driven early warning dashboard that helps companies predict churn and revenue growth opportunities using customer data. Before starting Involve.ai, Somia co-founded a startup right out of high school in New Delhi, focusing on using technology to reduce gender-based abortions in India. She did her undergrad in computer science and went on to earn her master's in computer science from the University of California, Santa Cruz, with a focus on natural language processing. She is a Forbes 30 Under 30 alum, winner of the Stevie Gold Entrepreneur of the Year Award, recognized as a 50 Most Powerful Women in Tech by the National Diversity Council, and is on the list of Top 100 Women in Technology. Samia is a strong advocate for more representation for women in tech and is the founder of a nonprofit in India for women empowerment. Samia, there is a lot to unpack there. Welcome to the show. It is great to have you. Thank you so much for having me, bud. Uh, yeah, that was a long uh, 60 seconds, but I appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, not a problem. Not a problem. So, uh, start off, you met your co-founder, uh, Gwarov in a coding class in India when you were fairly young. You yeah. were in a class of 160 students. You were one of three female students. It was. A How lot. was that? Yep. We talked a lot, a lot of cricket, which bored me to death. That was for sure. <laughs> a lot of cricket conversations. Um, but, you know, um, I think it's important to just go ahead and do what you're doing. It was. I, I would have loved to have more women there. I feel it would have been a little easier. Uh, but I got a friend like Gaurav. He is, you know, a totally like a feminist friend. So he was really helpful. Um, but yeah, you know, you at a very young age, if you are a minority in to that respect, um, you start getting slights very early, um, you know, in um, very early. So you start feeling, I think, very negative, very early. So again, I was, I became a stronger advocate of women empowerment at that time. Uh, because my dad told me you can be whatever you want to be. And then there are these people in this class who are telling me I can't. So, um, it was a different experience for lack of better word. Um, when I met Gaurav, we were 15. It's really funny because now people tell us that we kind of know each other since the womb. I've practically known him half my life. But yeah, right. we were we were both grade A nerds fighting over the front desk. Um, you know, I won't let anybody, uh, I won't back down and neither would he. Um, eventually, we were both turned out of the class. The professor was like, you're creating a ruckus, go stand outside. Um, but that's kind of what got us to kind of bond because we were standing outside having to do nothing and we were talking to each other. Uh, but that's where we shared our passion for coding. You know, we both realized that we're, we love it and it's beyond gender. You love something uh, together. Um, and that's where we started working on our project. We started working on it together, um, it was a project back then, which eventually became a company. We were about 15 when we started, but always we were very entrepreneurial since the beginning, um, giving our poor parents like heart attacks left, right and center, because 
every three months, like our idea was to drop out of school and start something. And they were like, you have to study. I need those certificates on the wall, you know, to show off to other parents that look, my child is educated. Um, but yeah, we know each other since then. There's no looking back since we started two companies and hopefully we start third and fourth together too. Okay. So uh, this conversation is going to go a little bit different than our normal conversation. We'll, <laughs> we'll get into involve AI as, as we progress here. Yeah. But since, since you brought this up, um, yeah, you guys started a company together at the age of 15, 16. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and that was ITI. Yes. Uh, and you guys at the age of 15, 16 have a company and, and that grew into about 40 employees. If I'm, if I'm correct. Yeah. Uh, and then you guys sell that off, uh, around the age of 21. So go ahead and tell me a little bit about ITI and what that was, because I think that's an incredible company. And is that still going? And then we'll we'll kind of talk about how that evolved into your next company and how that evolved into Involve AI. Yeah. Or evolved into Involve. Exactly. <laughs> evolved into Involve. Um, so the first company that we started was actually a lot based on my personal experiences. So again, I come from a family of two daughters uh, in a country where at that point, like not having a son was considered not a great thing. So I remember a lot of relatives looking at my mom with, for lack of a better word, pity. I'm going like, oh, you don't have a son? So bad. You don't have like, you know, an anchor in your family. And, you know, it was kind of silly. And my dad was 100% a girl dad. He was, you know, not taking any of that. And he's like, don't worry about it. So that's where like the idea started where mm -hmm. um there was a law that came out in india because of the gender ratio becoming extremely wonky uh, basically people would do a sex determination of the child while after 14 weeks which is after which you can figure out if the baby's a girl or, or, or a boy and they would abort based on gender so there was a point and you know this is all like very well documented online which is entire villages in india did not have females um because they just aborted all you know females because they wanted men um so this law came out in india which was called the pndt act which basically banned sex determination um period um there was so Baby, you know, what is that? The gender reveal parties aren't a thing in India because of that. Because you don't, so gender reveal is post birth. Um, so what we started doing was we started creating this software for radiologists specifically. Um, it kind of became like a documentation portal to get all the details of the patients. It was a patient experience platform. But then we started running some very rudimentary machine learning before machine learning was cool based on demographic data, based on socioeconomic data, based on education level, based on like uh, previous babies, like how the gender of your previous kids, uh, whether somebody is likely to abort based on gender, because there were a lot of people who were still doing it unscrupulously. So being able to report that to the government was what um, the product was. We would sell directly to radiologists, and it was a need because 
if there was a patient who's coming to a radiologist regularly and then aborted their child, the radiologist would be liable. So that was kind of what the entire product was. Um, it was a very different experience because, again, we were doing it for the first time, obviously, but then we mm -hmm. also learned sales. It's not just about building the product. It's about having conviction in it and going and selling it and then understanding how revenue works and business models work. Um, it was a lot to digest and we fell on our face a lot, uh, you sure. know, um, you know, so again, maintaining good standards of the product, like, you know, as developers, you don't know how to QA code, you just push it out. And, you know, there were these small things that we learned, we understood processes, uh, hiring, unfortunately, firing, um, building a team, it was, we were just, I think, at one point, like waterboarded with like different information. Um, we had a lot of advisors, a lot of help. Um, eventually, uh, the company uh, sold. Um, it was a small exit. Um, it was enough for Gaurav, my co-founder, to buy a house for his mom and enough for me to buy more shoes than I can imagine. So I was very happy. <laughs> uh, but um, we sold the company. Um, but the really great thing that happened from that was um, the company that we sold it to further sold the entire product to the government of India. So it got mandated oh, nice. uh, across northern <laughs> India which is really funny because now my mom, who's a radiologist, has to use it. And she is pretty mad about it. She's like, I should have nipped it in the bud. <laughs> <laughs> so great. Yeah. She's like, thanks. Thanks, Samya. She's like, thank you. She's like, if this is what I have to deal with, I paid for your education. I gave you food. I gave you water. And this is what you did to me. <laughs> Force me to use this. <laughs> Say, no, I sold it before you were forced to use this, mom. Exactly. She said, well, the money went in shoes, and we're not even the same shoe size. <laughs> there's nothing. There's no outside for me. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, learn, you learned lots of incredible lessons while you were yeah. young. Very young. Young, young. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow, what an incredible story. Um. <clears throat> did you guys get lots of pushback trying to trying to sell this and get this going because you guys were so young? Yes. Short answer being yes. Um, the only I think positive that we had was um, it was greenfield in the market. There was nothing else like it, and the product mm -hmm. the product spoke by itself. It was a good product. Um, of course, yeah. I would. The when it got further adopted and got further sold, of course, they added all the bells and whistles, and you know, uh, kind of made it software as a service and made it really great. Um, but the product in itself was technology that somebody wanted to have. So that was the positive. We had a lot of data. Again, in India, HIPAA compliance is kind of non-existent, so we did have a lot of data about, um, you know, the signals that can potentially cause gender abortion and it was a huge push by the government at that time so people of course wanted to buy it um the mna process in itself i think is something that's the hardest thing that we've had to go through and i wouldn't say that it was me and gaurav who did it by ourselves we had sure. so many people 
were helping us through the process. I think um, as much as our parents could help us, they did it. Um, but yeah, that was, I think, till date, one of the hardest things that I've done uh, so far. <laughs> well, good for you. Like that's, that's an incredible story. So yeah. then you guys sell that. Yep. And then do you guys start this next company together or did you come to the States and go to school while, while Gaurav starts the next company? It, it was really funny because when we sold it, we were, uh, we skipped school for a bit to be able to sell it. And um, we talked about retiring for a little bit because it was like, it was emotionally exhausting for us. So we sure. were like, hmm, do we want to go back or not? We're like, okay, let's go back to like some semblance of normalcy. Like kind of like do people do stuff what people our age are doing and see where that takes us. Um, so Gaurav um, got it. He had, a, we had an advisor um, at PWC. He got Gaurav to come to DC and he was at PWC there. I completed my bachelor's. I did my master's. Uh, I came to the U.S. and did my master's um, at UC Santa Cruz. Um, I always loved to code and, you know, with this whole realm of ML, natural language, considering I talk so much, of course, I had to go into a natural language processing. But I truly enjoyed that process. Um, and then um, I got a job offer at Google. Google comes, recruits a lot of people from UC Santa Cruz, which was great. So I met Gaurav. Um, for a coffee. He was there too. He came to visit me, check out the campus. He's like, I want to see what you banana slugs are all about. But <laughs> met us, uh, we met at a cafe and the goal of that meeting was me to review my contract with him and go like, what does this look like? You know, everything's checked out for me. And he had like extreme FOMO. He's like, if you go there and you go to their cafeteria and then you eat their food, you're never going to go back to a startup. So he's like, we need to start our next company. And I have, we have all of these ideas. And the same meeting, which was supposed to be my contract review meeting, turned into let's figure out what to do next meeting. And um, I didn't take that offer and we started our next company. <laughs> well, good deal. Good for him, too. Good for, for him. For, I keep telling him that every that. day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He he knew what he had. Yeah. He's he, like, I'm not going to lose you. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, I can offer you all this yeah. fancy Google cafeteria food and like the amazing culture. And like, he's like, not happy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then in 2016, you guys start, um, what was it just was it just called involved then yes so in okay yeah in 2016 we started involved um it was something that we felt closely about it was a community engagement platform so basically it helped um b2b company it helped companies um set up like community events so it was like meetings um you know volunteering events events around by community engagement. So that's kind of what the entire system did. Uh, it did really well. We had, we raised a seed round on that idea, which was 
a fairly big seed round for Southern California. It was the largest seed round for that quarter. It was about two and a half million. We had some really good VCs back us who still back us, um, which is amazing. Um, but COVID hit eventually. Um, and if an entire platform is around events and meeting each other, um, everything came to of, you know, a standstill. Um, I think that was, I think, the second hardest time when we had to rethink really hard what to do next. Um, And we had some very supportive people on our board. They told us that we back you as people and whatever you do, you're going to do a great job. So we're sure you can figure it out. No pressure, (laughs) which was uh, pretty cool. Um, yeah. but you know, when somebody says no pressure, you feel the pressure, which is, oh, like, yeah. oh, it's very counterintuitive, but, um, we thought through what to do next. We had very good net dollar retention up until COVID. That was one thing that we had for our business. We were expanding customers. We were renewing customers. We had a hundred twenty percent net revenue retention which is unheard of in the SaaS world. Um, so what we used to do in our customer success is we had this, we had Python scripts that would take in different data elements of the customer. So whether it's product usage or support tickets or interaction, and basically we would spit out a number which would be their health score for us to know if this customer is at risk proactively or not. So during the COVID time, what we did was we gave that out to a couple of our CEO friends who were dealing with the same thing, like COVID kind of very, you know, rudely stopped everything in everybody's world. So our CEO friends tested this out and were like, we love this. Uh, You know, this is amazing. This is going to like, I already know which customers are at risk. Why don't we productize this? And that's where we went like, yeah, this is a great idea. We need to give this to more people, especially because COVID is so unpredictable. We really don't know. We need as much data-driven customer intelligence to be able to let people know which customers to save, which ones to expand. Um, so that's what that started the inception of Involve AI. It was about exactly a year ago that we decided to pivot and we built Involve AI. We grew tremendously. We grew 40% month over month since September, still growing at that pace. And yeah, that's crazy. No looking back. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So you just, you never know. You never you know? know. I mean, you, you have, you have issues that you find internally. You're like, we got to fix these. And then, outside influences, COVID. Yeah. You're like, okay, so we have all this. And you say, okay, I think we have a solution. And then you just share it with a couple of people. And they're like, your solution works. Yep. I'm like, okay, well, I guess it's time to pivot. Exactly. And <laughs> and now you have yeah. this incredible, yeah, just yeah, this incredible platform. So, I mean, good for you guys. Yeah, it was and now, fun. <laughs> at the age of, I, I don't know, you're not that old. No, I'm not. Coming up on 30-ish. Yeah. 
you have more entrepreneur entrepreneurial experience than uh, a lot of people that we've had on this show. And mm. I mean, that's, that's a fantastic story. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was, it was fun. <laughs> You're becoming an adrenaline awesome. junkie, you know? It's like, you know, if it's something's not happening, something's wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, it's the, you know, I think startup people are always startup people. Um, difficult challenges are what we thrive on. And, you know, I'm sure you know that as well. Like, if it's not challenging and it's not challenging your brain enough, you're just, you know, something's just not right, you know? So it was interesting. It's stressful, but it was interesting. Um, but it kind of like we were paralleling it to, you know, how Slack started as a gaming company, but then Slack mm -hmm. was their internal communication tool. So you never know when you find hidden gems. Um, it was, but I think you always need a supportive group around you. And that's one thing that I think Gaurav and I have done a very good job. We, start, we started off with getting lucky of having this group of really supportive cheerleaders around you. And we went on to replicate that as we kept going, which is we don't want yeah. naysayers. We want people who are obnoxiously optimistic and know that this will work, irrespective. And I think that's what keeps you going. Like, of course, 90% of the people will say this won't work, but, you know, that's not what we thrive on. <laughs> That that seems to be kind of your motto. Um, I was looking through your LinkedIn, and and there's a a quote that you put down just you know a couple weeks ago, and it says the three things that keep me going on a difficult day are passion, optimism, and gratitude. And it says yeah. mindset is what separates a good day from a bad one, and I am grateful that my stumbles are an amazing learning opportunity. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's your quote. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that is completely true. Uh, I literally, we, I have very recently started very um, consciously living by that. I knew that those are characteristics that I have, but the days when things are bad, you have to look around and go like, things could have been worse, you know, we could have been dying with no money in our bank account we recently raised a series a on this um it was a 16 million dollar round which was we were very grateful for it but you know on the same day of course an escalation has to happen that's just how it works and you know you're like mm -hmm. all your negative you know energy goes on to that escalation you're like life sucks and this sucks and you're like you know things could have been worse you could have been dying. You could have had no money. You know, there could have been right. a lot of things. Your product couldn't have been working or, you know, there's so much that can happen. So, you know, you have to be consciously grateful and consciously optimistic. I was reading a study somewhere where they said that um, they did the study between people who are optimistic, people who are pessimistic and what we call as realistic. And they said that people who are optimistic are actually closer to being realistic than people who are pessimistic because pessimistic people won't even give it a shot, even though it might be possible because they think it can be done as opposed to optimistic people who are, so, you know, who always think that something can happen. So, yeah. which was pretty interesting, you know, it kind of makes sense, but, you know, I never thought about it like that. 
That is. Can you recall where that study was? Can you recall that off the top of your head? So I did, um, I don't know the study, but I did this course um, with Gaurav um, at USC. And it's about entrepreneurial mindset. So basically it was, um, and I, I'm missing the name, but it was this neuroscientist. And basically he made, did the study of athletes, people in the military, and try to see what separates the really good athletes, the really good people in the military against the rest of the crowd. And these three things, which I mentioned, optimism, gratitude, uh, and purpose, these three are exactly what translate into you being successful versus not. So he was kind of putting the same thing into an entrepreneurial mindset, going like, you, these are the three things that separate someone who will be exceptional versus not. So, which, so he was the one who talked about the study of optimism versus realism. Huh. That's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. I can see it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. On entrepreneurs are, are kind of like the, the top athletes in the, in the business world. I mean, yeah. you, you can, you can see it after talking to, you know, so many of them. Yeah. Uh, may not have the, the physical abilities, but definitely the, the mental capacity is there for sure. Yeah, we're yeah. a jock when it comes to the mind. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like it. I I think we're definitely going to pull that one out and and play put that somewhere. That's <laughs> where the jock when it comes to the mind. <laughs> I like it. <clears throat> um. Yeah. So, uh, just for our viewers out there. Uh, go go to involve.ai. It's it's a great looking uh, website, and you can click on the story, uh, their their little story, uh, how they got their Series A raise. Um, that's an awesome awesome read, uh, and we we went over some of it so far in this in this uh, conversation. But there's so much to to dig up and and go over there. That's uh, it's a very very cool story. Um, I would like to pivot a little bit and, and go over, like I said, there, there's so much to uncover, uh, in your bio that, that we read. Um, let's, let's talk a little bit, uh, about like you, you're the founder of a nonprofit for, uh, in, in India for women empowerment. Um, you know, you, there's just, there's so much there. So let's, let's start there. Let's talk about that, uh, that nonprofit and, and what's going on there, what that's all about. And then we yeah. can go from there. Um, so the nonprofit, um, that I started, I started it when I was 18. Um, it was kind of, it was the first time that I think without any help, I was able to do the entire paperwork by myself, which I was really proud of. Um, nice. so, um, like no help from, you know, of course, some help from lawyers, but no help from my mom, who's like always breathing down my neck before that. So it was like a lot of fun. But um, again, I feel very strongly about women being in tech and about women being treated equally. It's not something- Can we give that nonprofit a shout out? 
What's the name of of that nonprofit? It's called Sakar, and I'll send you the link later. So you can kind of check that out. But yeah. And we'll we'll put that on the landing page as well. That is awesome. I appreciate it. Yes. Um, So we did... um, We started that, um, again, there was about eight really amazing women on the board. There were lawyers and there were people as government officials who came on the board who all felt really strongly about it. And what we feel, um, we all collectively discussed about women empowerment is something so broad. Like, you know, it's, it can be anything and everything, uh, So we wanted to focus on something um, where we thought, like where we started seeing a difference between men and women, like when people start treating us differently. And we thought that that was more on the, um, not the middle school level. So that is the time when, uh, you know, you get started getting treated more like a girl, specifically that you should be, you know, not doing boy things, you should not be going outside. So um, we started going to schools, which were underprivileged schools. And that was literally what we did. We ran training seminars for parents uh, of girl children in underprivileged schools, because that is the time when uh, girl children tend to drop out the most. Um, oh, it's okay. So it's not at the primary level. Um, it's more at the middle school level. So a lot of the girl children, if you see uh, the conversion rate of, you know, men um, kind of finishing high school versus women, uh, it's enormous. There's an enormous difference uh, it's because women start dropping, girls start dropping out in middle school level because that's the time that they can start doing chores at home. That's the time they can start taking care of the younger siblings. That's the time, you know, when they can help, you know, they can go and start earning money like they can be house help in somebody's house. You know, they can start doing these things on their own. So they'd rather use them for that than get them educated because they don't think there's a va- there's value in getting a woman educated. So um, that's where we started. So the entire goal was to run very, very organized training seminars for the parents of these girl children. And the outcome of that has to be that you need to keep them in school Um talking about value of like if they're educated and we used to give examples like if they're educated they graduate high school and they become a teacher they can earn way more for your family than what they can right now um so again we would try to break it down not in terms of like this um lofty idea of women empowerment and you should treat men and women equally because families that are underprivileged are just trying to make ends meet so if they see value of like getting money into the household now, they will make sure that that happens. So that was kind of like the training seminars that the nonprofit would run. Um, so it was amazing. We went to so many yeah. schools across Delhi, Agra, and Jaipur, um, which was um, a very different experience because there are so many different languages that you have to get used to to talk in different yeah. di- dialects of Hindi. Um, I think my Hindi became really strong then. Uh, I was, I always had a very 
weirdly accented Hindi and I don't know why, but I had to really, really fix my dialect. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's the same kind of going around the United States sometimes here too. Yeah. I, I, so, I'm sure it's a little bit different, but kind of the same. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. pretty much like, I think it's exactly the same. Like, you know how it's like, it's still English, but you know, there are certain words that are pronounced so differently. That's exactly how mm-hmm. Hindi goes. Um, so yeah, it was fun trying to like get them to understand what I'm saying. Like there was a lot of times, like somebody would go like, shut up, I'll talk. <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, I don't mind it. Thank you. <laughs> I was like, I hate public speaking. Like I'll do it, but you know, I don't know that that survey, like, People would rather, there was like a study of like what people are most scared of. And the list was like public speaking and then self-immolation. Like people would rather set themselves on fire than speak in public. I'm like, I'm pretty, perfectly yeah. happy. I'm like, you go talk. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just crazy. I, I don't know. I've never had an issue making a fool of myself in public. But uh, that's just me. Oh, no, don't worry. Um, I'm in the same boat as you. I spoke once at high school and it was some debate or something. And I was like trying to like, you know, you hit on the podium to try to show like, you know, that you're passionate about it. The podium fell on the people. I was like, (laughs) oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's it's all good. So you have... You have done some amazing things. Forbes 30 under 30, uh, Stevie Gold Entrepreneur of the Year, 50 Most Powerful Women in Tech, uh, the list of the top 100 women in tech. Um, it's pretty, pretty awesome and amazing stuff to get on one of those lists. You're on all of those lists. <laughs> so, I mean, you've you've done that. How does that make you feel? And I mean, was that a goal of yours or did all that just kind of happen? Good question. Um, I'll start. Uh, it, it wasn't definitely a goal, but it was definitely a nice to have. Um, mm-hmm. It was really, I think Forbes 30 under 30 was like super exciting. And I think that kind of like snowballed into the rest of it. Um, but no, I, it was never quite a goal, but it feels really good to be recognized. Um, it's really fun that, you know, when I got like, for example, the Forbes 30 and the 30, it's like, I knew that I was being considered and that was about it. Um, so, you know, you have that anticipation, what's going to happen. Like it becomes a goal when you know you're getting considered <laughs> because you want to win. Um, sure. So that was kind of like the, when I was told that I was in the running for the list and it was really exciting because for enterprise SaaS, um, Eric Wan, the CEO of Zoom was one of the judges and he's like, and that kind of made it like even bigger for me because um, he's like a person, personal idol of mine. I absolutely love him. So it was really great 
that, you know, I got selected. Um, but I think that's like the entrepreneurial mindset, I would say, like, which is like what the minute like you overcome one thing, you're like on to the next. So I mm-hmm. never like there was like no party or there was no celebration, not even in my head that I was like, yes, like I should like let this moment like sink in and get super excited about it. I'm like, okay, it's done. What's next? So um, that's kind of like overall, like my thought process around it, but I'm incredibly grateful. I mean, it doesn't, it's not easy. It doesn't happen to a lot of people. And I recognize that. So I feel very happy. I think my parents feel happier. You know, uh, some stereotypes sure. about in- Indian parents are true. With mine, they're like, they have like this coffee table book and they have these certificates that are on the wall. And it's like, it's not even like subtle. Like when guests come over, they just slide that coffee table book over. <laughs> I was like, this is like shameless. You need to calm down. <laughs> Hi, how you doing? Nice to have you over for dinner. This is my daughter. Yeah, it's literally that. <laughs> and they have, and so every time like an mm. article comes, they have got like mm. this, you know, uh, the a printer guy, like who's like, who does the professional prints. He's got, they've got them on retainer because they send that over. He makes a print of it. They laminate it and then add it to that book. So it's... <laughs> So they're like creating like my biography without me even knowing, but it is, it's not, it's not even, I can't even call it a humble brag. It's like a shameless brag. I'm like, here you go. So, um, so they've got my name on Google alerts, which is really funny because every time like my name pops up somewhere, they're the people to tell me that, Oh, did you know you got this award? Let me send it on all the WhatsApp groups. And I was like, Oh my God. (laughs) So, that's well, kind of at least you don't have to brag for yourself. It, they, yeah. They've got it covered. Yeah. I'm, <laughs> it's yeah. And they're like, if they had a superpower, you know, you know, I wish I were a superhero. I wish I could fly. They already have their superpower, which is like the humble brag. Nobody does it better than them. Which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, good. Uh, at least at least they've got it they've got it covered we i love them they're amazing (laughs) that's that's good that's good Uh, at least you don't resent them that's that's a good thing oh totally like it's like so funny they're like the characters in my life like they're it's it's cool because you know what i was talking about like having these group of like fanatical supporters around you like Mm -hmm. that's what they are like, even on my bad day, they're the ones who are, like, showing me this article, making me feel good about myself, like, on the days when I don't, you know? Which yeah, is, that's awesome. You know, they're, like, the biggest cheerleaders, and they're like, you can do no wrong. Look at this article. Look how awesome you are. <laughs> that's awesome. Good. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay, I want to go back a little bit in uh, what what you said uh, just a few minutes ago, you said there, you get done with one thing and you're on to the next, you're on mm-hmm. to the next, you're on to the next. So I want to see, like, are you just always on to the next or do you take some time for yourself? Like, do you have any hobbies, interests? Do you have, you know, like a work life balance or are you just always on to the next thing? You've been doing this since you were 15. Are you just always on go or or do you have 
some break time built into your life? Um, I was, I, I want to say about till about three years ago, I had no work life balance, none at all. I had when I had 18 hour days start at five, finish at nine. Like that's literally like my whole world was that very recently I've started, um, and that's just the kind of person I am. I've always been Mm -hmm. like this. Um, like I am very OCD about completing something. Like I need to get it done and I'm a perfectionist and, you know, sometimes it's not always possible in like the entrepreneurial journey, but that's like my basal mindset and which I've had to tweak over a period of time. Now I would very happily like to say I do have very good work-life balance because I feel it's important. I meditate regularly, um, which I feel is, has been one of the most game-changing things for me. Um, it, as I think as pressures grow, anxiety is not always, is always a part of your journey. Imposter syndrome is always a part of your journey. You know, there are days when you go like, am I even meant to do this? Am I even good enough? And, you know, when something's like going really downhill, I think meditation has really helped me through that, which is just nice. focus on the now, focus on today, you're here, you know, um, you're breathing, you still have the capability of getting out of the problem. It's not, it's not the end until it's the end, you know? Um, so that's really helped me. Um, in terms of hobbies, I am the best trashy show Netflix watcher on this planet. I am so good. I can get through entire seasons of absolute garbage in one weekend. It's like the the show is longer than like the number of hours in the day, but I get through it. So (laughs) that's definitely. So what's your favorite trashy show? I just finished Marriage versus Mortgage, which is amazing. Oh, I haven't even heard of that one. I know you won't most of them, and then <laughs> the other one that <laughs> I have been—I just finished binge watching are two ep- uh, two seasons of The Circle. Have you seen that too? Uh, well, I, I watched the movie The Circle. No, that's Hanks, that's a good. Not- that's got Tom Hanks. No, the the trashy The Circle. It's like a show. And it's a social media, it's like a social media experiment where basically people, it's like, I don't know, have you heard of Big Brother? It's like Big Mm -hmm. Brother, but without them ever seeing each other. And it's all avatars, it's social media avatars. Um, They're just interacting with each other. So um, I recommended it to a couple of people who could not sit through it. They were like, what is wrong with you? (laughs) (laughs) so yeah well it's probably because your brain is always on go yeah you just need something to to let it go exactly and i'm a big fan of bollywood like i am like a you know a like you know the there's a genre in bollywood which is called leave your brain at home genre like you know it's like people flipping cars like jumping off like from one building roof to another like it's like crazy stuff like a guy gets like acid thrown on him and just the shirt rips away, but the body's intact, like that kind of stuff. And I would watch that day in and day out. So <laughs> I recommended it to a couple of my engineers 
and they were so horrified they were like i don't think i can have meetings with you anymore <laughs> <They're> like, <laughs> <laughs> well so. i i liken that to we have uh, a doctor here in town who's just i mean he he's an he's an old fashioned doctor right like he does house calls he works with mm-hmm. uh, our elderly patients here and he i mean he's just always on go right right and he's a fantastic doctor and he's got a fairly good sized yard and he mows it every four days by with a with a push mower and we're like why don't you get a, a riding lawnmower he's like cuz i just need to do something physical and dumb that i don't need to think about and yep. he just loves doing it he just every four days he just goes out and mows his yard and it's just something that he can just do and when he's done, it just looks like a carpet. Oh, that's you know? amazing. And I mean, it's just the same. I think it's the same type of thing. Exactly. He just needs to do something that, that just is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think um, I was talking to somebody and I do that. Too. I have a dishwasher, but I don't. I hand wash dishes. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I think people, everybody likes control and in certain jobs, if you're a doctor you don't have control you know you can do your best but then some things are out of your control same as entrepreneurial journeys and i think um just doing these mindless tasks it's a checklist it's a complex task that has a start and an end but you can control the whole thing and it's like it's it relieves anxiety a lot so yeah i would totally agree with that because i hand wash dishes uh, when I am like extremely stressed, I go on this crazy like cleaning, you know, spree. I'm like cleaning everything, like the bathroom, the bedroom, like you name it. It's like sparkling, but it's just something physical that you know also helps the others in process. They were like, "Why isn't she more stressed? She should clean the bathroom. I need my bathroom cleaned." <laughs> nice. Well, um. We'll kind of get back on on topic here. I'm I'm loving right. this, but uh, we're gonna have to kind of get yep. back on topic and and bring this thing in into a close here. Um, in your mind, what makes what makes for a good leader, and and how how do you how are you working on this? What what are you working on this in this category? That's a great question. My definition of a good leader is transforming every three months. And I think depends upon. So here's my theory. A good leader at one stage of the company might not be a good leader at another stage. So the leader has to be a stage fit for the stage the company is at. Um. In the very early days of Involve, when we were 10 employees, a good leader needed to be a player coach. Like that person needs to be able to do the task while training other people. So in the beginning, when I was running tech and product, I had to be able to code. I had to be able to design product elements. I needed to be able to run user tests, you know? So everything that my team was doing I should be able to do it too so that I, I can train my first layer of management. So that's what I think an early stage leader looks like. 
um, a mid-stage company, I want to say Series A, Series B, I think that changes. A good leader, somebody who can run good one-on-ones with people who are managing other people, the managers of managers. So you're not directly managing people and telling them what to do. You're, you can, you need to direct managers who are running other teams. Um, in that, I feel a good leader has to be optimistic, has to be motivational, has to be able to hire, has to be able to fire, and has to be able to have a really big vision. I think that vision is what becomes the hallmark of you know, the entire company. For us, we realized that when we raised money and we grew suddenly and we literally grew from 10 to 45 employees in three months. Uh-huh. So it was massive for us to suddenly like there are small changes like, you know, Zoom cannot fit the team anymore. Like you can't have town halls anymore. So your entire processes that were working at one stage have to disintegrate and you have to create new ones to be able to accommodate for these changes. Um, the one thing that we did realize is Gaurav and I, we were so used to being player coaches that being able to give up that control, the ultimate control, that if I say deploy, then only you will deploy the code. If I say no, it needs to stop. Giving up that control and giving it to somebody else is really hard. So that's yeah. one thing. I feel that would make a good leader. The second, I think, was really important, and this has to be at every stage, and we started doing this, is setting company-wide very strong goals. So we're a big proponent of OKRs. Everyone needs to. So we have two things that we do vigorously every quarter. Set goals and give everyone accountability. Everyone needs to know what is what their role is and how that ties into the bigger vision of the company. So we build quarterly goals and then we build milestone goals, which is every quarter, why are we doing this? How does that roll up into the milestone that we want to achieve? And then who is going to be playing what part and how well? So that's the OKRs that we do. And the other thing that I feel a good leader has to do is build strong areas of responsibility there needs to be, nobody needs to have confusion about who owns what piece. So if X needs to happen, go to Y person, nobody else. So we build every quarter very strong AORs um, that we strictly update every few months. So setting goals, motivating people, and pushing them to be their best version, I think has to be what makes a good leader. Yeah, that is one of the best answers I've gotten from that question. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, what advice would you give founders or soon-to-be founders that are watching this uh, this conversation? Um, it's not just about hard work. It's about smart work and a little bit of getting lucky. Um, sometimes you don't get lucky. So there's always a way around it. Um, I feel the mo- if you're a soon-to-be founder, the only advice I can do is do your customer research. 
make sure that the product is a painkiller and not a vitamin and that somebody will it's <laughs> it's it's harder to build and grow a company when you realize it later that this is a vitamin and not a painkiller so do your customer research be open to criticism early as opposed to later so it's better that 100 people shoot down your idea as opposed to 100 people shoot down your product it'll hurt way more mm. so yeah, uh, you can still pivot. it's easy to pivot it's easy to morph an idea into something else it's not that easy to do that with a product so that is for soon to be founders and for founders i got to uh if you ever need a shoulder to cry on i'm there the most the most important thing is pers- perseverance um be being i think for founders like being a first principle thinker is most important bigger problems always arise break it down into smaller ones and you'll probably see a light at the end of the tunnel and the other thing is everybody is feeling exactly what you're feeling the days you feel you're not good enough the days you feel this is too hard why did i do this i should have just gotten a job at google we everyone has those thoughts and founders have this mentality of not sharing their fears and only sharing successes because you need to project uh find other founders to talk to because they're probably going through the same thing that you are yeah awesome awesome you heard it here like she's got you hi yeah got your back reach me out on, reach out to me on linkedin i'll respond which brings me to my very last question what is the best way for viewers to get in touch with you great segue uh, there you go i telepathy <laughs> there we go um i am on linkedin like i'm like people are on instagram so please reach out to me on linkedin i'll respond i usually respond to messages um if you need help let me know and also just make sure that the title is few show so i know that you listen so i'll make sure that i respond awesome somya it was awesome to have you that was a great conversation i enjoyed it very very much you are full of insight um shaded and your story is is amazing a uh, great job on involve.ai um Thank and you. everything else that uh that you have been doing uh if you're watching this go to the landing page uh, we'll have information on uh remind me the name i'm sorry remind me the name of your uh uh nonprofit uh nonprofit yeah sakar sakar we'll have the information for that on the landing page um along with all the information uh for somya uh okay. it was awesome Awesome to have it you. Thank you so much for being on the show. You. And Bud, you have to watch The Circle and tell me what you think. If you, were you able to sit through I'll, it? <laughs> I'll, I'll turn it on with my go. wife and, uh, and we'll see. We'll see what okay. happens. I'll let you know. <laughs> All right. You have a fantastic day. You too. Bye-bye.